I want to talk to you this morning about nothing. I want to talk to you, that's the title of my message, nothing. I've never preached a message like this. But I want to talk to you about what the Bible says about the word nothing. When you pick up your child at school and you ask them, how was your day today? The answer, fine. What did you learn today? Nothing. When your children are in another room and they get very quiet, you get suspicious. You say, what are you doing in there? Nothing. A wife asks her husband, what are you thinking about? His answer, Beth asked me, she said, what are you speaking about on Sunday? My answer, nothing. What does the Bible say about nothing? In Genesis 18, 14, there's a question that was posed to Abraham. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And we have the testimony of Abraham in Romans chapter 4, verse 17 through 21. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope in hope believe, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Is there anything too hard for God today? My answer to that simple question is this. There is nothing too hard for God. So I've come today to talk about what the Bible says about the word nothing. The word nothing is defined as no thing, not anything, naught, no part, no share or trace, something that is non-existence. Today many of God's people are discouraged, despondent, and battling doubts. We experience trouble in this life. Job uttered these words in Job 14.1. Man who is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. I didn't come with bad news today. I didn't come with a sad word. I didn't come to deliver a eulogy today. I didn't come this morning with, with words that would, would cut you or words that would hurt you and words that would wound you. But I came this morning with good news. Anybody want some good news today? You see, the world is full of bad news. You can get all the bad news you want on CNN. You can get some bad news on MSNBC or Fox News or ABC or any of the major networks. If you look into the newspaper today and you read the news on the internet, you'll find out that the world is filled with bad news. There's war in the Middle East, civil war in Syria that looks like it's going to discontinue and tens of thousands of people have been killed by their own people. There's political upheaval in the nations of the earth today, there are financial hardships, there's confusion, tragedies, there's extreme drought, there's hunger, and there are many other problems in the world. But I come this morning with encouraging news. I come this morning with a word of encouragement out of God's holy word for you. God has something to say to you, I believe today, that will encourage you and help you in this world that is filled with bad news and in this world that is filled with confusion. I don't know about you, but I need to hear from heaven today and be encouraged in my spirit to know that if God be for me, who can be against me? I've come to simply say there's nothing, everybody say nothing, too hard for God. 
Throughout history, men and women have been asking the same question that the Lord asked Abraham. Is there anything too hard for God? How do you know that there's nothing too hard for God? Well, we have some testimonies in God's word. First of all, we have the testimony of the patriarchs. Enoch would testify that there's nothing too hard for God. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Noah testifies today that there's nothing too hard for God. Hebrews eleven seven by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Abraham testifies this morning that there's nothing too hard for God because in Hebrews eleven eight it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. You might not know where you're going. I remember some years ago, we used to go on vacation with our family. And if my father-in-law was in the car in front of us and you saw him scratch his head, that meant we were lost. Now, that was before the day we had cell phones and GPS and all those things. But I'm going to tell you, Beth and I have used that GPS at times. I remember one night we were traveling late at night, going somewhere on a ministry trip or coming home for something. And and she said, I think we should get a hotel room. So we got our GPS and we plugged in the Hampton Inn and someplace in Virginia. And it took us to an empty field. We were lost. There was no hotel in sight. The GPS had told us a bad story. But the Bible said Abraham didn't know where he was going, but by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. There is nothing too hard for God. The patriarchs testify, but there are other numerous testimonies of the supernatural intervention of God in the scriptures. In 2 Samuel 5, 24, it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. David was in the valley of Rephaim, which is the valley of giants, and he says, when you hear the sound of the angels in the tops of the mulberry trees, he said, you're to know that I'm about to deliver your enemies into your hands. I don't know about you, but but I hear the sound of marching this morning in the tops of the trees. And God is saying, I'm dispatching angel armies on your behalf and I'm going to move for you. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to bring you through because I'm the God of the breakthrough and the place where you encounter the giants, you're going to encounter my glory. There's nothing too hard for God. Jehoshaphat would testify there's nothing too hard for God in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. He faced the Moabites and the Ammonites. He was outnumbered. He prayed, fasted, and sought the Lord, and the Lord answered. Listen to the answer in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 through 17. Listen, all of you of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. 
tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against him, for the Lord is with you. There's nothing too hard for God. Then we have the testimony of the prophet Jeremiah, the weeping prophet in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 26 and 27. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Now notice it's God asking that question. It's the Lord that asked Abraham that question. It's the Lord that's asking Jeremiah that question. God's asking us the same question this morning. Is there anything too hard for me? We may think the situation and the circumstance that I'm facing is too hard for God. We may think that what I've come up against is too hard for God. But I've come by this morning with good news to tell you there is nothing too hard for our God. There's nothing too hard for our God. You say, well, those are all Old Testament examples. Well, let me give you a New Testament example. We not only have the testimony of of the great kings of Israel. We not only have the testimony of the wonderful patriarchs of Israel. But we have the testimony of the apostles in the New Testament. The apostle Peter testifies today, and he says, I just want to say to you, there's nothing too hard for God. In Acts chapter 12, verse 5 through 11, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. But an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a And when they were past the first and the second guard post, then came the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angels departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel, and he delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. There is nothing too hard for our God. I want you to see this. Peter shut up in prison. He's going... To die the next morning. Now why didn't God come three days earlier? Because God's an on-time God. Works on his own time. Doesn't work on our calendar. Works on his. But he showed up in the right time. And Peter thought he was dreaming. But when the cold night air of Jerusalem hit him in the face. It was around Passover. So it was around this time of year. Or about the first of April in that time of year. That cold air hit him in the face. He knew he was awake. And he knew that God had sent an angel to get him out of prison. I want to tell you, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. And there is nothing too hard for our God. So what does the Bible say about nothing? I don't know about you, but I've gone and taken classes and seminars. And when they got through, I didn't feel like I had anything. I felt like, what did they say? Well, they didn't really say nothing. But the Bible has a lot to say about nothing. So this morning, I want to answer the question and make this declaration. There's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing, first of all, too hard for God to accomplish. There's no problem too hard for the Lord to fulfill. Francis Dixon, an old English preacher, says, It is computed that in the Bible there are 30,000 promises, all of which are in him, yes, and in him, amen, according to 2 Corinthians 1.20. 
Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Francis Dixon writes, he said, every promise God has ever made will be fulfilled. And there is a promise to meet your every single need. Hebrews 6, 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. God specialized in hard things. He specializes today in hard things. Is there anything too hard for our God? God promised that the walls of Jericho would come down, but that Rahab's dwelling on the wall and her family would be spared. That was a hard thing. Rahab was a harlot. And you remember, she hid the two spies that Joshua had sent into Jericho to spy out the land. She hid them in her house. And she made a covenant. And they said, if you'll hang a scarlet thread in this window... When we come to take this city, whoever's in this house, in this dwelling, on the wall, will be spared. And Rahab moved by faith. And we find Rahab in the lineage of our Savior. God took a harlot. God took a prostitute. I said I would believe that because God loves sinners. He loves to redeem them. He loves to save them. And my Bible says that when I accept Jesus, old things pass away. All things become new. I become a new creation in Christ Jesus. The handwriting of the ordinance that was against me is blotted out. He remembers my sins no more. And it's as if I never sinned. And I can believe for, for everything within me that God took Rahab and put her in the lineage of Jesus because God redeemed her out of Jericho. There's nothing too hard for our God. He promised that the walls of Jericho would come down, but that Rahab's dwelling on the wall and her family would be spared. In Hebrews 7, 25, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Who are you praying and believing for to be saved today? We got some hard cases. If we look at it in the natural, we'd be discouraged. We got some hard cases today, but God... See, who are you praying for? Listen, he promised to feed Elijah by the brook Cherith and, and by a widow at Zarephath. That was a hard thing. You remember the story in 1 Kings 17, 5 through 7. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. He then instructs him to go to a widow in Zarephath. God sent Elijah to somebody who was poorer than he was. He said, make me a cake. She said, I'm about to bake a cake, and me and my son's going to eat it, and we're going to die. Here's somebody that had lost hope. Here's somebody that had given up. Here's somebody that says, my resources are exhausted. We're just going to eat this, and then we're going to die. We don't have anything else to do. We don't know where we're going to go. But Elijah said, bake me a cake. She baked him a cake. What happened? Let me tell you. 1 Kings 17, 16. Listen to the promise that God makes to this widow in this time of severe famine. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. The people three doors down was running out of oil. The people four doors down was running out of meal. But I'm telling you, every time she went to the meal barrel, there was enough that she needed for that day. There was enough that she needed for her family. And God sustained her in the time of the drought. I've come to tell you, there is nothing too hard for our God today. There's no prayer too hard for God to answer. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That word mighty there means hidden things, fenced in things, secret things. It can also mean hard things. Call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and hard things which you do not know. There's no prayer too hard for God to answer. What are you praying for today? What are you believing God for today? 
In 1 Kings 18, 17 through 41, God answered Elijah's prayer for fire to fall on the altar. There's nothing too hard for God. When we build this altar, we want the fire of God to fall on this altar. We want the fire of God to fall on this church and on this community and on this city. We need the purifying fire of God. You say, well, pastor, look at the circumstances. Look at the, listen, if you look at the circumstances, you'll get consumed by the circumstances and overcome by discouragement. But I didn't come this morning to look at circumstances. I come this morning to declare there's nothing too hard for God. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, the angel appears to Mary and announces the birth of our Savior. If we pick up the conversation in verses 30 through 33, then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Listen to Mary's response in verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I know not a man? And in verse 35 through 37, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You need to write that on your refrigerator, Luke 137. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Because a lot of times we spend our time and our mind rehearsing all them impossibilities. God could never move in that circumstance. God could never move in this. God could never touch that individual. That individual sinned too much and is too mean and too far away from God to ever be saved. I've come to tell you there's nothing too hard for God. For with God, nothing will be impossible. God specializes in the impossible. Are you facing something impossible today? I've come to testify there's nothing too hard for our God. When the children of Israel departed Egypt for the promised land, they encountered problems. When the army of Egypt threatened them, the Lord opened the Red Sea and they passed through the sea unharmed and on dry ground. In Exodus 15, 23 through 26, he solved the problem of the bitter water at Marah. In Exodus 17, 5 through 7, he gave them the water out of the rock in the midst of a desert. He fed them with manna from heaven. He sustained and provided for them the 40 years they were in the wilderness. I'm telling you, their shoes didn't wear out. They had Holy Ghost hush puppies. Their clothes didn't wear out. I'm praying that for my wife. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for the children of Israel in, e in Egypt, what he did for the children of Israel in the wilderness, what he did for the children of Israel when they settled in the promised land, he'll do for you and I in Greenwood, South Carolina today because there's nothing too hard for God. In John 2, 11, he turned the water into wine at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. In Mark 4, 35 through 41, he rebuked the wind and commanded the storm peace be still. In Matthew chapter 14, 15 through 21, he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. In John eleven thirty eight through 46, he raised Lazarus from the dead. There's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing impossible with God. And if you don't believe me, let's have a conversation with Isaac, the son of Abraham today. Isaac is the son of Abraham and Sarah. He is the promised heir. It is through Isaac that Abraham's seed will become like the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. It is through Isaac that the Messiah would come. He marries a beautiful girl by the name of Rebekah. And I want you to listen to the prophetic promise that God gives to Rebekah as she departs to become the bride of Isaac in Genesis 26, 40. Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands. May your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. 
And although Rebecca had this beautiful prophetic blessing over her life, she had a problem. We learn in Genesis 25, 21 that she was barren. She couldn't have children. The woman who was to be the mother of thousands and ten thousands was barren. What happened? She had a husband that believed that with God nothing shall be impossible. She had a husband that believed there was nothing too hard for God. She had a husband that believed that if God said it, I believe it, it's settled. She had a husband that took God at his word. See, the Bible said Abraham, he hoped contrary to hope, and he believed in the face of the fact that his wife was past the age of childbearing, that he couldn't produce children, and he believed the promises of God over the circumstances that prevailed in his own body, and God gave him a son by the name of Isaac and Isaac means laughter and if you have a baby when you're a hundred years old you'll laugh too. Isaac knew that he was a miracle. You're a miracle today. How many of you been born again by God's spirit? Let me see your hand. You're a miracle. That's the greatest miracle of all miracles. There's no greater miracle than the miracle of salvation. You're a miracle today. And if God can bring you out of darkness and bring you out of sin, he can take care of the problem that you're struggling with. He can take care of the problem that's in your family. He can take care of the rebellion that's in your children. He can take care of the financial issues you're faced with because there's nothing too hard for our God. The Bible said Isaac prayed. He interceded. He believed this promise. And she gave birth to twins. There's nothing too hard for our God. See, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. When you're down to nothing, God is up to something. The faithful see the invisible, believe the incredible, and then receive the impossible. There's nothing too hard for God to accomplish. Secondly, there's nothing he cannot change. Question before us this morning is, is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? See, there's no promise he's made he cannot keep. There's no problem too hard for him to solve. There's no place too hard for the Lord to revive. Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? He will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. There's no individual too hard for the Lord to save. We have family members and friends this morning who are in bondage to sin. The situation they are in may look hopeless. It may look impossible. But God... If you read through, you'll see, you'll see that little word, that little conjunction, but, through the scriptures. That's an important word in scriptures because many times it's like, a, it's like big doors swing on little hinges. God is about to change something there. You need to go through the Bible and highlight the but gods. But gods. David was faced with Goliath, but God. The children of Israel at the Red Sea with an Egyptian army on this side and a sea on this side, but God. A leper looked at Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean, but God. Blind Bartimaeus sitting on the roadside going into Jerusalem said, son of David, have mercy on me. And they tried to get him still and get him quiet. Don't trouble the master. But he just got louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. He was blind, wearing blind beggar clothes. He had paperwork that said, I'm blind. He was applying for government's uh, help for being blind. But Jesus had other ideas, but God. I don't know what you're faced with this morning, but I've come to tell you, but God. I know what the doctors might say. I know what the lawyers might say. I know what circumstances might say. I know what the news might say. But God has the final word. It's not over till God says it over. He's on the throne. He's working on behalf of his children. There's nothing too hard for our God today. Your situation may look impossible. There was a condemned criminal. Jesus died between two thieves. This condemned criminal was graciously saved in his dying hour. He said, remember me, remember me on the cross next to our Lord. In Acts 16, 25 through 34, Paul heard a cry of a man in Macedonia, had a vision. And he was saying, would you come and help us? 
Paul had had plans. Already bought his airline tickets. Already made his hotel reservations. He's staying at the Holiday Inn in Bithynia. Going to Asia to preach the gospel. And the Bible said that the Holy Spirit forbid them. God stopped them in their tracks. God said you can't go. And he has a vision and he hears a man in Macedonia crying out for help. And God told, Paul told his team, we got to go to Macedonia. They go to Philippi. They start preaching the gospel. They start having some success. And a little girl that was filled with a spirit of divination starts interrupting the meetings. And Paul gets enough of it and he turns, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. We would have celebrated that. We would have said, "Woo, what a wonderful deliverance. But Paul wound up in prison. Not in the country club prison. But he wound up in the inner stocks. Solitary confinement, back beaten, locked in stocks and bonds. Paul didn't do what most of us would have done. He didn't complain and murmur. He didn't say, Lord, why am I here? I don't understand why I'm going through the plight that I'm going through. The Bible says when you fall into sufferings, what do you do? You rejoice. Listen, anybody can rejoice when everything's going good. But it takes maturity in your walk with God to rejoice when things are going contrary to what you believe God has said. And I'm going to tell you, Silas might have looked at Paul and said, you and your vision. I told you you ate too many pickles on your hamburgers last night. You didn't have a vision. We miss God. No, the Bible said they sang praises at midnight. They begin to give glory to God at midnight, and God sent an earthquake. Hallelujah. If God has to, he'll send an earthquake on your behalf that will open every prison door, that will set you free of every fetter that holds you in chains and bondage. Jesus is able to do all things. And not only... Now, if that had been me, I'd have grabbed my stuff and run. But they didn't. They had church in that prison. God showed up in the prison house. And the Philippian jailer and his household got saved. See, there's nothing too hard for God today. There's nothing he cannot change. See, in Luke 10, 19, 10, he said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, I love that. We serve a God who's able to save those who are lost. How many of you got lost family members that need Jesus? How many of you are believing for their salvation? How many of you are looking at some of them and you're saying, I don't, if I look at it in the natural, it just looks impossible. And if you try to talk to them about the Lord, you know you're that member of the family that represents the Lord when you come and everybody leaves. You show up at the family meeting and you come to the Christmas, you know, and they're all standing, you in one room and they in the other room. You thought it was just you. It's not you, it's Jesus in you. There's nothing impossible with God. We serve a God who's able to save to the uttermost. We serve a God who's able to save to the uttermost. See, there's no situation, no person or circumstance that God can't change. There's nothing too hard for our God. You believe that this morning? There's nothing impossible with God. There's nothing that he can't accomplish. And there's nothing he cannot change. Luke 5.32 says, I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. Jesus didn't come to call the righteous. He don't expect you and I to clean ourselves up to come to him. He just wants us to come as we are. I know over the years I've invited people and talked to people about getting in church and they'll say, well, pastor, you know, if I can stop doing this, if I can get mastery over this habit or I can, I can deal with this issue in my life, then I'll come to church. I say, you'll never make it because you'll never get mastery over that. You'll never get that issue in your life solved by yourself. You need to come as you are. Jesus loves us just like we are. He alone is able to work the miracle to bring change in our lives. You see, and I just tell people, just come as you are. You know, oftentimes, if you listen to the Billy Graham Crusades, when he would give an altar call, they would sing that chorus and that hymn, Just As I Am. 
We come just as I am, just the way I am. I come with my faults and my sins and my mistakes and my blunders and all the times in life that I missed it. And I come as I am and I give it to God. And God takes a mess and he turns it into a miracle. God takes a life of confusion and hardship and difficulty and he puts it on the right path. He establishes our going. He brings us into his family and he makes us clean by his blood. Is there anything too hard for our God. There is nothing too hard for God. J. Hudson Taylor, pioneer missionary to China, said these words. There are three stages in any great work attempted for God. Impossible, difficult, and done. Impossible, difficult, and done. God will never ask you to do the possible. He will ask you to do the impossible. And it will take a miracle for you to accomplish it because God wants the glory. We tend to look at man and give man the glory. God wants the glory and he deserves our glory today because without him we can do nothing but through his strength and power I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Henry Ford built the automobile. Some of you drive cars that are made by the company he founded even today. Mercury's, Lincoln's, Ford product. He got a design and an idea for a V8 engine. He drew out what he thought he wanted and he took it to the engineers. They looked at it, they examined it, they used their slide rules and they did their calculations. And they came back and they said, this is impossible, we can't do it. He sent it back to them. It took about two to three years, I think, if I read it right, and he wouldn't give up till finally they developed a V8 engine. Many times what looks impossible can become possible. The first step is impossible. The second step is difficult, but the third is done. I don't know who you are, but you're carrying a dream this morning. God has planted something in your heart, and it's impossible. You don't have the money. You don't have the skill. You don't hardly know where to start. But you know that what you're carrying is an idea that God birthed in your spirit. It's impossible. But I've come to tell you there's nothing too hard for our God. F.W. Woolworth became one of the great retailers of his time. He was told that he was too ignorant and unable to wait on customers, and they wouldn't let him wait on customers. He had a dream. It looked impossible, but God made it possible.